0: Wednesday morning, February 13th, 2019. Good morning, everybody. I'm Lynn Adolph. Welcome to Sam Sell Sells Real Estate, the fastest 10 minutes or so in real estate information, three days a week. You know we're in Clark, New Jersey. We cover and sell in the whole New York metropolitan area. So if you're doing anything in real estate, buying, selling, investing, or rehabilitating, or, or landlord tenant, anything, you should be listening here. You got to tell your friends, this is the place to be. If you go on the Anchor website or the app on your phone, you're going to see a button that says, Support This Podcast. Research shows that more people listen and return to sponsored podcasts than non-sponsored. Now, we'd rather you give us your listing or your loan, but we'll take your money. You know, beggars can't be choosers. I again remind you, if you go on Anchor, we break down the podcasts into segments. So if you are hard-pressed for time, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. There are a couple of short minute topics available. We try to improve this thing again for you guys out there. We're nothing without you. We say that all the time. Before we get to today's guest, we're going to take a quick break with one of our sponsors. We're going to be right back. Today's guest is Robert Gaines, Esquire President of Ridgefield Valuations in Waltham, Massachusetts. Bob is one of the preeminent property tax abatement attorneys in Massachusetts. And uh, in my humble opinion, in the country, we've been friends for almost, oh, my God, 50 years. Can you believe that? <laughs> Welcome, Bobby. Uh, you're here because our topic is right up your alley, property tax appeals. I, I know you could probably give a semester class on the topic but let's see what you can do in a few minutes. You know, I realize when we talked about this uh, before you came on that the laws on property taxes are a state-by-state issue, but I know you can talk generally about property taxes, what they do, and, and why people hate them so much. You can do that, right? Probably. Okay. Well, why don't you try? Well,
1: um, one thing about uh, property taxes is that although the laws vary from state to state and even from country to country, the method of valuation – is essentially internationally accepted uh the one of the top organizations uh is an international uh organization of assessing officers so it's this you can go to any country and property pretty much would be valued uh the same uh wherever you go at least in terms of fair market value
0: okay what why then does there become a discrepancy that someone needs you because a town will assess a property for a X amount, and you believe that it's not worth right. that.
1: So because there's so many, uh, and we're talking pretty much about commercial properties, but it really does also apply to residential homes as well. But right now I focus on uh, commercial and industrial properties. Uh, but uh, the reason that uh, there are, are so many uh, cases that are filed is that uh, the Most of the cities and towns require, uh, that property be assessed at fair market value. And that is really a subjective idea in terms of what does, what is the fair market value of any particular property. I usually tell clients, no one really knows until the property sells for sure. You don't know. So, uh, so the cities and towns have a very difficult, uh, uh, assignment uh, in front of them each year uh, or whenever they do their their evaluations they have to value thousands uh hundreds or thousands of properties uh all within a short period of time so they don't really have the uh right. the opportunity in most cases to drill down on value like maybe an appraiser would if an appraisal was being completed on the property so they use what's called a mass appraisal model which is not really one-size-fits-all, but can be pretty close. It doesn't really take into account specific differences within properties. It assigns a, a one-size-fits-all rent, say, for example, to all the office space within a certain uh area of town. It might uh use a certain limited amount of expenses when considering um, the, the net operating income of a property. Uh, it may consider a a, a town-wide vacancy rate, even though your property may have been vacant 100% for two or three years. So the point is this, that in order to really know if your property is a good candidate for abatement, you have to develop a value using one of the two uh, accepted methods that appraisers use. Uh, Those methods are the capitalization of income approach or an income approach to value, um, using the net operating income right. as a way of determining and quantifying value. And then the other approach is a comparable sales approach. So that's what we do. Before we take on any case, we run our own income approach on it and then we check the comparable sales. And that's when we uncover, you know, our cases and discrepancies between assessed value.
0: Uh, and what our opinion of value is. You, know, uh, you had mentioned before about you doing commercial as opposed to residential. Can, can you explain to the listeners the difference on appealing of property tax on a residential property versus a commercial property? One of the main
1: is you're typically going to find that there's less money at stake. So those are the types of cases where you may have to represent yourself, uh, because it might not be cost effective to hire outside representation. I know from our standpoint, we really don't try, we don't look for or accept uh, residential cases unless they're million, multi-million dollar properties where there's enough tax, uh, taxes at issue, uh, to make it cost effective. So that's one of the main things. I think the other thing is, For residential, the income approach really does not apply. It's, it all comes down to, uh, comparable sales. So that's, that's where you have to focus for residential. And with commercial, your focus is probably more on the income approach, uh, because many of these commercial properties are sold on the basis of an income stream and that tends to cloud uh the income approach uh, that tends to uh cloud the sales approach because you don't know if someone is buying it for the income stream or if that's the the true fair market value of the property see they can be different if you have if you've got uh a, a right. rent roll which locks in very high above market rents uh, that really can't be used against you the the towns at least in our state and most of the states are supposed to uh value property on a fee simple basis so that with uh th- these kinds of properties um you don't really know like an office building uh, it, are the rents above market are they below market you really don't know that just looking at the at the sale uh itself uh so that for that reason uh commercial properties sure. are typically valued on on the basis of the income Uh, but typically the fee-simple basis of the income, whereas the residential cases are valued more on the sales, the comparable sales.
0: Yeah, I I think because we have a lot of uh, residential listeners uh, who own homes here, I'm focusing a little bit on that. I I think that there has to be explained to them the difference that when you take a $500,000 property and reduce the valuation to $425,000, you are right. not you're, getting a $75,000 tax, tax savings. You're getting tax savings,
1: which is correct. based on the taxes on that $75,000 value.
0: Correct. So I, I want to clear up that misconception because you would think that it, you would Reduced by 75,000, it excites the property owner, but in right. fact that's the easy not the way to figure actual out savings that, that you, you percentage
1: You look at the amount of, uh, of value that's been abated, uh, and you divide it by a thousand and then you multiply that times the tax of the mill rate and that will give you the exact amount of the abatement check. Uh, or let's say you cut the value by 50%, then you know you're going to get 50% of your, of your annual taxes abated. So, those are easy ways to determine it
0: there you go hey uh... what would you say to the homeowner well that's unhappy uh, i'd say that the, the most assessment? important
1: thing that you can do is uh... is to uh... try to uh... ascertain an appraisal uh, of your property that was done at or around the valuation date now in massachusetts for this year which is we run on the fiscal year it's fiscal year 2019 the valuation date is January 1 of 2018 so find out the valuation date of your town and then uh see if you have an appraisal you know ar- done around that date uh you may have had one done for refinancing purposes uh and that appraisal is pretty much a comparable sales analysis and the appraiser developed a value by selecting three or more comparable sales and then adjusting them for the differences between the sales and your property, and then came up with an appraised right. value so that's that's the the first thing that you should do in terms of the continuum of strength. I would say the the strongest case would be where you purchased a property for less than the assessed value because then. No one can argue that as as long as the property was was properly marketed, and especially if there was a broker involved, and there was no it wasn't a distress uh, situation, but if it was just an arm's length sale, an arm's length sale typically carries the most uh, weight and can trump any mass appraisal or any other uh, opinion value. So if you have a sale price. For less than the uh the assessor that would be the number one The number two is the one I just mentioned is the uh is getting the appraisal. Try to get the appraisal uh get an appra- either get one that that's been done on it or they're they're not too expensive they they're usually a few hundred dollars uh for the, for a residential appraisal so get get your hands on a residential appraisal and if you don't have either of those, then what you can do is go down to the assessor's office. And you can, if you're willing to do the work, you can find the, the properties that sold or you can look up on Zillow or one of those other online sites and find comparable properties, preferably properties on your street that have that sold around the valuation date and then compare them to yours. And that will give you a good idea of whether or not you're in the ballpark or not.
0: And then I'm going to add the final step, which is make an appointment to see the assessor in your town. And then talk to him that's a that's a
1: good point because many of these assessors prefer uh you to work with them cooperatively rather than to walk into their office and and you know start ranting and raving you know that you're over and you're overpaying and blah 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 they hear that all the time so when you come in especially if you come in with some comparable sales Bingo. or an appraisal yep. that you've done yep. or the deed you're gonna look like a breath of fresh air to the assessor and so you can do this, and I do it, many times before the bill actually comes out. So I last year I was assessed to, say, uh, $800,000, um, uh, or the property was assessed to 800000 I just bought it. And I, bought, and I paid six hundred thousand, and I looked at last year's bill, and it said eight hundred thousand. So hey, I don't want to be assessed at eight hundred thousand or more. I just paid six hundred, so I'll go into the assessor's office and show him the deed and explain to him why it was a arm's length sale, a broker was involved, the property was fully exposed to the market, and many times they will just make the change right then and there before the bill even goes out. You can save yourself the time and aggravation of having to file an abatement application. But if you don't find out until after you get the bill, then, again, typically you have somewhere between a month and three months to file. There's usually a deadline to file for an abatement. You can use that time to to go in, as you said, make an appointment with the assessor and try to work it out at that time.
0: Oh, Bobby, thanks, man. That's really good stuff. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with a surprise. We have one more segment with Bobby. Don't leave us. Don't forget, everybody, we want to hear from you. Go up on the Samsung and Associates website, the Commercial Loan Squared website, contact us, leave us a comment on the podcast page, on Anchor. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to improve the program. We want to answer the questions you want answered. I am now pleased introduce our celebrity question of the day segment. We really hope you like it. Make sure you give a thumbs up to Sam Sell sells real estate. Here we go. So let's see who's on the other end of the line is our uh, first celebrity questionnaire of the day. Hello, who's this? Hello, it's me, Yogi. Okay. Hello, buddy. What are you doing here? You know, don't I brought these baskets for you. Me. Well, that's not one of have a question. Well, what kind of question could a bear have on a real estate show? Mr. Park Ranger is trying to get me out of my cave in the middle of the winter, and I'm hibernating. He knows I don't pay until spring. Can you do that? Do you have anything in writing? We shook have hands. You don't have a hand, Yogi. I don't care. I know what he said. You actually pay to live in a cave? Can you believe that? They make me, Yogi Bear, pay rent. And I, I barely get by. <laughs> That's funny, you like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, barely, I get it, I get it. No, no, Yogi, you're not a human being, you're just a talking bear. You know, they could shoot you if they wanted you to leave. That's not very nice, Mr. Letty, sir. I don't think you'll be too happy if someone did that to you. I I don't think you have to worry, Yogi. You're a big bear. Nobody's gonna screw with you. You know, you have eminent domain on your side, you know that? What's eminent domain? Uh you will eminently dominate anyone who messes with you. I have no doubt. I hear you, Mr. Lenny. Sir, there, thank you for answering my call. Made my day today. Uh, you're welcome, Yogi. It's good to hear from you. Feel free to call anytime. Thank you, Lenny. I appreciate it very much. There you go. Our celebrity question of the day. That's Max Adolf. Hope you liked it. We're going to take one more break. Don't hit that pause or stop button. You don't want to miss anything. We, Bobby, and I have to stay. You stay right there. Now we get to uh, today's news in real estate. You know, we have Mr. Gaines here. We don't really need a news item to comment on. Uh, Bobby, tell us in your experience what's going on in the marketplace now. How are things going? Do you find enough properties where there's enough of a disparity in valuation well, where you're the real able to make a living? as, as good as it used to be? Cases, is it as bad the types as it of was? Cases that were
1: uh, strong, where are we? For example, back in the <laughs> when I started in the 1990s. Almost every warehouse case uh, was overvalued because there wasn't much demand for warehouse. But what we're seeing now is with the growth of uh, the Internet, uh, we're seeing these warehouse properties are becoming very valuable, especially the ones that have high, high ceiling heights. Yeah. So anything with anything that's in good condition with high ceiling, very I, valuable. Even I pretty much jersey. find that those oh, cases yeah. are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be that retail was untouchable. When we went through, you know, some of these recoveries, retail uh, strip malls, neighborhood malls, uh, regional shopping malls were doing very well. But I'm sure everybody notices as you drive by these days, you see a lot of dark spaces, which means that there's vacancy out there. And so what we're finding is is that a lot of these tenants are just not able to pay the rents. And so that's having a downward uh, effect on the rents. And it's also affecting some of the major anchor tenants as well. So that uh, many of these retail properties that, as I said, were untouchable, i.e., they were never over-assessed or assessed more than their fair market value, they're now, uh, we're starting to see a number of these being overvalued because, because they're assuming they can generate the same type of rental income, uh, that they could, you know, prior to the internet, uh, so that's, that's one area that I, I think is ripe. The, the other area though that's changed a lot is uh, apartment right, sure. buildings and apartment buildings, uh, at least from what I can see, are in great demand as rents continue to rise, uh, for, for, you know, renting apartments. And when that happens, obviously that generates more income using an income approach. It's going to result in higher values. So I can't remember right. the last, uh, apartment building, uh, abatement that I did. Now, there are other types of properties that don't play by the same rules, such as, you know properties with restricted rents if there's rent control or affordable housing or things of that nature those are still strong cases but any uh, apartment buildings i find uh those are good investments these days because uh the vacancies are very low and the rental rental rate seems to be uh you know increasing year after year especially in the good locations um so again we do all types of properties so it really uh, depends on you know are you talking about a large property or a small property but uh, i'm finding in the cities uh these these class c uh, type of buildings flex buildings office buildings the, the class c's the ones that that nobody really wants or the ones that have had vacancies for substantial amount of time those are overvalued because owners are finding that they've been sitting on vacant space year after year they just can't lease it out uh it, again i'm looking i'm talking about the the tough areas of the major cities uh so that that's having a downward effect on their value as well uh and that right. wasn't always the case so that's that's sort of in a nutshell uh an answer to your question things are constantly changing and they change not just from uh year to year but they change from uh, area to area so that what is strong in New Jersey might not be as strong in Massachusetts and vice versa. Uh,
0: so that's, that's pretty much it folks. There you go. Hey, uh you can't get this anywhere else. Uh, uh, Bob, uh, I was thrilled to have you. You, you gave a, right, a huge amount of information you. to our listening audience. Okay, You're welcome you. to come back here anytime. It's just a thrill to have you buddy. I'm glad you, uh, yep. you spent a little time with us. Yep. See you later. All right. Take care. Well, everybody, we've reached the end. This has been a really special podcast for me. Having one of my oldest years friends here sharing a bunch of really good information with you. He was great. He will be back. My thanks, as always, go out to Jen D'Elia, John Gerhardt, and Bio Media. you know. We're going to have John on as a guest in the next week or so. He's going to talk about social media, what's going on with the changes in marketing real estate. He gives regular classes on this. You don't want to miss that. Max Adolph gets a full credit today for his work on Celebrity Question of the day. My other son, knowing. Love you, buddy. Hope all is good in the warm weather. Maynard Ferguson for his hit Birdman. Again, you, are listeners, we're nothing about you. We're here to help you. We're here for you. You need to put cell Real Estate favorites list, and you never have to worry about missing an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Johnny Samson and I will talk about short sales. See you then.